Welcome to our podcast here at Trinity West Church. We believe that you will be enriched by today's message. Let's open our hearts to receive God's Word. Genesis chapter 37. If you're new here, first time here, we will put some of the scriptures on the screen. But we always encourage you to bring your Bible or tablet or some way for you to follow along. We're going to actually finish the series we started last week, a message I preached called Twisted Truths. Twisted Truths. And so I just want to review for a few minutes, and then before we get into today's message. The devil is a liar. I think everybody can agree upon that. The Bible calls him a liar. In fact, the Bible says he's not just a liar. He's the father of lies. So he lies all the time, but he doesn't always just come at us with just a bold-faced lie. If the devil just came at us with something that was so obviously a lie, most of us wouldn't believe it. No, the real danger is that he comes at us with some sort of truth that is masked, you know, some sort of twisted truth, some sort of sort of sort of lie that, that he twists and manipulates and it makes it look like truth. It's what I call a twisted truth. So we said last week that this is what a twisted truth is. A twisted truth is a lie that is really based upon or founded upon natural facts. And we look at a circumstance last week, we talked about the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 13. They were coming from Egypt and slavery going into the promised land, out of the wilderness, into the promised land. And as they got into the promised land, Moses sent out 12 spies. Ten of them came back with an evil report. They said, we can't do this. The descendants of Anak are there. They're giants. Not only that, there's the Amalekites and the Amorites and there's the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites. And they began to list all of the enemy that was there. And they begin to just talk about how it can't be done. It just can't be done. And people believe them. Two people brought a good report. Caleb and Joshua said, no, we could do this. In fact, we need to do this, and we need to do it right now. But the people believed the evil report. They believed the twisted truth. They believed the lie. And it's easy to do. Because it looks bad. I mean, hey, there was enemies. Hey, the facts are this. There were Amorites there. There were Jebusites there. Hey, there were Hittites there. But when it's presented the way they presented it, it looked like it was one big army. But those guys didn't fight together. They didn't like each other. They didn't work together. All you had to do is defeat them one after another after another. And listen, hey, even if they did fight together, even if they did work together, hey, God's a big enough God to where he could defeat them. I don't care if they all work together, if they were all scattered, God could do anything, amen? So, so we can't believe the lie of the enemy. And here's what they did, and here's where the real danger is. They fell into the trap. And the first trap they really fell into is they magnified their enemy. They magnified their enemy. They made such a big deal out of all these different armies that were coming against them. They just said, hey, man, this is, this is impossible. In fact, if you read it, it actually says this. Hey, man, compared to, to, to them, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. 
In other words, they said, they're so much bigger, they're so much greater than us. Hey, man, we're so little and we're so small. They made their enemy so big. Listen, when you make your problem big, when you make your, your, your enemy so great, when you make the circumstances in your life so big, what you're really doing is you're minimizing God. And the Bible says, hey, man, you can't focus on the problem. Hebrews chapter 12 it says this, hey, I mean, we run the race that is set before us, but it says in verse 2, hey, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen, God is not the author of your storm. He's the author of your faith. And he wants you to keep your eyes focused on him. Don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the circumstances. Actually, I say this all the time. Hey, listen, whatever you talk about the most... That's what you're magnifying. Did you hear me now? Whatever you talk about the most, that's what you're magnifying. If you're constantly rehearsing your problem, if you're constantly talking about how it can't be done, if you're constantly saying, hey, no, you got let me just tell you what I'm going through right now, and you're just constantly rehearsing the problem, you're magnifying it. You're making it bigger than it ought to be. What you should be is talking about your God. And hey, listen, I got a big God who's got big hands and, and big shoulders. He can handle any problem that I, that, that I have. Amen? So we just have to listen. We can't maximize the circumstances. We can't maximize the enemy. We have to maximize our God. It was A.W. Tozer who said this. He said, hey, man, a low view of God is the cause of a thousand lesser evils. But a high view of God is the answer, solution, to 10,000 temporal problems. He said this, hey, a low view of God, man, that is going to get you in so many problems. But when you raise your view of God, it is the solution to 10,000 temporary problems. Amen? The psalmist said it like this, Psalms 34, said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my lips or be in my mouth. It says this, hey, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord, but I love verse 3. It says this, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come, would you let us exalt his name together? Magnify God. Make a big deal out of God. Make God as big as he ought to be. Listen, minimize the problem. Minimize the circumstances. Minimize the enemy. But make a big deal out of God. And they failed to do that. And it caused them problem after problem after problem. And then the second trap that's so easy to fall into is this. Hey, not only did they, they magnify the enemy, they believed manufactured evidence. And this is the problem that we get into when we believe manufactured evidence. If you're in Genesis chapter 37, let me just give you a quick background of what's taking place. This is Joseph's life, the beginning of his story. And we know Joseph was a, a son who was favored by his father, so much so that his brothers despised him. His father made him a coat of many colors, and as he was wearing it out, to meet his brothers one day, they took him, they stripped him of his coat, and they were going to kill him, but instead, they sold him into slavery. 
So here is Joseph, man, being sold into slavery. Now they have said to themselves, hey, what do we do? So they devised a plan to cover up what they did. And it says this in Genesis chapter 37, verse number 31. It says, so they took Joseph's tunic and they killed a kid or baby goat, kid of the goats, and they dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it's your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. And without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. Think about what exactly took place. They didn't lie, right? What they did is they manipulated what happened. They didn't come out to their father and they said, Hey, Joseph's been killed. We saw it with our own eyes. He's been devoured by a wild beast. And here is his coat that's been torn to pieces, filled with blood. No, no. All they did was take this coat They ripped it, they dipped it in blood, and they presented it to their father, and they said, we don't know what happened, but here, is this your son's tunic? Is this his coat? And it was Jacob's own mind. He came to his own conclusions, and what he decided is, I am going to believe the worst. I'm going to think about the worst possible thing that could have happened to my son, and that's what I will believe. He came to his own conclusion based on manufactured evidence. He said this, this is my son's coat. He must have been killed by a wild beast. And listen to this, and without doubt, Joseph's dead. Without doubt. No doubt in my mind. Now let's just think about that for just a minute. If we were to take this and we were to present it into a court of law and we were to say, hey, let's just make a case for is Joseph alive or is he no longer alive? Let's just make a case. What do we have for evidence? Well, the only piece of evidence we have is a part of a coat that has been ripped and dipped in blood. That's all we have. There's no DNA testing back then. There's nothing else. It's just this is all the evidence we have. We do not have a body. We do not have eyewitnesses. All we have is this coat. That's it. And based on that flimsy evidence, Jacob believed a lie. Now let me ask you this question this morning. What evidence are you looking at in your own life? What are you looking at today? What circumstance are you facing? What situation are you you really looking at throughout the week, this morning even? And is it possible that, that we have believed the lie ourselves sometimes based on very flimsy evidence? Is it possible that, that all the evidence isn't in? Is it possible that there's more to the story? Is it possible that, no, that's not the truth. See, our mind tries to play tricks on us and say, no, 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 it's, it's without a doubt. This thing is, without doubt, you're going under. Without doubt, you're going to have to live in pain 
the rest of your life. Without doubt, your marriage is over. Without doubt, you're going you're gonna to die a premature death. Without doubt, the debt is going to swallow you up. You'll be in financial ruin. You see what I'm saying? The enemy comes in and he tries to present his case and he presents very flimsy, flimsy evidence. But sometimes we believe it. We believe the lie. And that's what happened with Jacob. And if we're not careful, it's what happens with us. We get trapped into believing some sort of lie. What evidence are you looking at today? Last week I gave you one of the truths that gets twisted in our life. Let me give you the second one this morning. The second one is this. It's too late. It's over. It will never change. It's too late. It's over. It will never change. People believe this. They believe this about situations. They believe this about circumstances. They believe this about the problems that they're facing. They think to themselves, no, 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 no. It's, it's too late. It really is over. Or they're looking at a situation and they say, no, no, no. That situation will never change. It will never, ever change. I read last week from 2 Kings chapter 6, the story of Elisha, how he was surrounded by such a great army and his servant was in panic and, and he didn't know what he was going to do. But uh, Elisha said, hey, hey, don't worry. There's more for us than there are against us. And in the very next chapter, in chapter 7, there was a famine that had overtaken the land and the situation was completely hopeless. Hopeless. The entire country was in devastation and ruin. And Elisha had a word from God that said this, tomorrow at this exact same time, everything changes. Tomorrow, everything turns around. And there was one guy that had the king's ear. He said, no, no, I don't believe that for a minute. I don't believe that for one minute. God would happen, have to open up the windows of heaven for that to happen. God would have to pour down money from heaven for that to happen. Well, I'm here to tell you this. God can open up the windows of heaven. God can perform a miracle. God can put relationships back together. Don't you ever believe that it's over, that it's too late, or that it will never change. Amen? You do not believe that lie. Don't believe the lie. And here's exactly what happened. There was an a, a, a army that was that was just outside of the city. And four lepers outside the city just thought to themselves, hey man, if we sit here, we're just going to die, so we might as well go and just see what the Assyrians have to offer us. Maybe they'll kill us, maybe they won't, maybe they'll feed us, maybe they'll show pity on us. While they were on their way, God caused this ambush to take place to this army. And all of a sudden, this army heard the sound of chariots and horses. And, and they got up, and they, they started fleeing here and fleeing there and killing themselves. All sorts of chaos took place so that when the lepers came upon the enemy's camp, all they found was gold and silver and treasures. They found food. They found all the riches that this army had taken from every other nation. They walked upon a gold mine. And they actually started eating, and then they said to themselves, hey, man, we need to share this with everybody. And they took everybody back to that camp, 
And the entire economy of the nation was turned around in 24 hours. In 24 hours, everything changed, and there was such a mad rush on the city that the man who doubted it tried to, tried to stand in the way of the mad rush, everybody coming into the city, and he was trampled to death, and the word of Elisha came to pass because he doubted the word of God. Listen, we cannot doubt. We have to believe that God can turn anything around. And there's four specific areas I want to talk to you about. And the first one is this. It's family situations. Maybe you're here and you say, hey, in my family, it, it, it's, it's, I've been ostracized. Or, hey, my kids have, have walked away from God. Or, or, hey, my marriage is falling apart. Relationships are broken in my home. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or maybe it's, you're here today and it's opportunities that, that have passed you by and you think, now I'm too old to start the business. I'm too old to, to reinvent myself. I'm too old to get a new career. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you just think opportunities have passed you by. Maybe you're here today and, and the debt is piling up and bills are coming in more and more and, and it just seems like you're just, you're just drowning in debt. You're drowning and, and, and financial hardship. You don't know what you're going to do today. Or maybe you're here and it's, it's something physical in your body. You're, you say to yourself, Pastor, I just live with pain the rest of my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'm just going to have to live with this the rest of my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or you have the fear of a premature death. And, and what the enemy tells you is, hey, man, it's too late. It is over. It is never going to change. And he presents some sort of flimsy little argument, a little pain in your body or, or, or a fight with your spouse or, or, or all of a sudden a, a season in your life when, when finances are tight and all of a sudden fear just grips your life and you say, what are we going to do now? What do we do now? And you just start to believe the lie of the enemy. Listen, we have to stand strong. and We have to say, no, no, no. I, it doesn't matter what circumstances I'm looking at. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. It doesn't matter what my natural eyes are seeing. God can turn this thing around. God can change this situation. Amen. I shared last week that, that it happened for me. In 2000, I, I shared a little bit last week, Cynthia and I went, went through the perfect storm. Man, we, just, we had problems on three different fronts, and man, it was, it was overwhelming me. And I, I, I really thought to myself, I was not going to survive it. And I loved God, I read my Bible, I prayed, and I was the pastor of a church. Let me tell you, Christians who come to church every week, who do their devotions, who pastor churches or in ministry, you're not immune, right, to problems and struggles and circumstances that are contrary to what God has for your life. You're not immune to those. But what happened in my life is I literally believed the lie, and here's the lie I believed. And I not only believed it, I said it over and over again, I will never have a happy marriage. I said that over and over again. I said it to myself all the time. After every argument, after every fight we would have, after every circumstances where it just seemed like we were never going to get along, I used to say to myself all the time, I will never be happy. I will never have a happy marriage. 
I thought I couldn't divorce her because if I get divorce her, then I, you know, I'll step out of ministry and I, I enjoyed so much what I do and it's everything that I'd worked for and everything I wanted to do. And so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm not going to divorce her. We're just going to live miserable the rest of our life. I literally said that and I believed it. Why? Because of evidence. And at the time, I didn't think it was so flimsy. We really didn't like each other, Okay. We not only didn't like each other, we borderline hated each other. I mean, it wasn't so flimsy. I thought, no, this is a pretty good case here. We got, I got some concrete evidence. God, her. She's exhibit A. <laughs> Do something. Please, Jesus, help me, right? That was my exhibit A. I didn't know, you know. I really believed I could never be happy. I really believed we were going to be miserable the rest of my life. Let me tell you, it didn't turn around overnight. It absolutely didn't. And I'm not here to promise you that it will. It did in 2 Kings chapter 7, and sometimes God does. And listen, God can do anything God wants to do. One of the circumstances turned around in just a few months. It didn't take but a few months for one thing to turn around. But for the marriage, it took a while. But you know what? God began to turn that thing around. But at some point, I had to stop believing the lie. At some point, I had to say, you know what? This thing can work. This thing can turn around. We can be friends. We can be happy. We can have a great marriage. I began to say, no, 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 no. Just because we fight and just because we don't get along sometimes, it doesn't mean that that's the end of it. It doesn't mean that that's all there is to the story. God can turn the situation around. And God has, man. Today we're happy. We have a great marriage. Listen, Mondays is our day off. If you call me, this is what you're going to hear. This is the recording you'll hear. Hi, today's Monday, which means it's my day off, which means I won't be answering the phone and I won't be calling you back. <laughs> Some of you have heard that before. And if you hear it, if you call me tomorrow, you're going to hear it again. Why? Because it's best friend day. The kids are back in school. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, the kids are back in school. Best friend day lives. Hallelujah. So we just get to enjoy each other, have fun. We just have a great time. That's, that's our Monday. So don't get sick. Don't go in the hospital. Don't let your life fall apart on a Monday. I'm not coming to see you. I'm not coming to visit you. Okay, no, if it's bad enough, I might. But, you know, <laughs> but other than that, listen, God's turned this situation around. Listen, and he'll do the same for you. He will do the same for you. Don't believe the lie that it's too late. Don't believe the lie that it's over. And don't believe the lie that it will never change. Listen, if you're doing that, you're basing your circumstances on real flimsy evidence and what you're actually doing is you're maximizing your problems and you're minimizing your God. God can turn anything around. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. God specifically told me how to end this service today. It's just a little different than we normally do. One more time, I want to ask you this question. What evidence are you looking at? What conclusion have you come up with? Is it possible that this morning 
in church, enjoying the worship, enjoying the word of God, is it possible that you have believed a lie? That it's too late? Or that it's over? Or that it'll never change? Based on what? Based on what? If you've believed that lie, you're looking at the wrong evidence. The evidence you should be looking at is a blood-stained cross, an empty grave, a risen Savior who is alive and well today, and a God who works miracles, who with one word, with one stretch of his hand, can turn your situation completely around. He can do anything. And he will. We just need to get out of the way. Let God be God. I'm going to ask you to do this this morning. Would everyone in here just stand to your feet this morning? And we're going to do something that I think is going to impact your life if you do it right. I want you to do this as you're standing. Would you close your eyes? Just close them. No looking around. And for just a moment, with everyone's eyes closed, for just a moment, what's your problem? What's your circumstances? What struggle are you facing right now? Let's give it just very quickly a second look. Maybe we need to look at it again. Maybe the enemy isn't that big. Maybe the problem isn't that great. Maybe the wall isn't so high. Maybe the struggle is not as bad as we really think it is. Just give it a second look for just a moment this morning. Hey, hey, it's not as big as our God, is it? Look at it for just a moment. It's nowhere near as big as our God. Now take your eyes off of that. Keep your eyes closed and would you do this? Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to read something to you this morning, and I want everyone to focus on every word that is being spoken out of my lips. I don't want anybody looking around. Just listen to these words this morning. Listen very quiet. Listen very intently. Psalms 121 says this, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Let me say it one more time. I said the Lord 
shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I will look unto the hills. Where does my help come from? Who's bigger than my problem? Who's bigger than my circumstance? Who's greater than the greatest struggle of my life? I will look on him. I'll turn my eyes to him. He'll be my focus. I'll stop magnifying my problem, and I'm going to start magnifying my God. I'm going to make a big deal out of God. I'm going to say that God can bring my family and bring them all back together. I'm going to say that God can turn those lost opportunities into new opportunities. I'm going to say that God can change the finances of my life and get me out of debt and get me prosperous. I'm going to say that God can heal my body. God can touch my life. And I will not, will not taste death until my appointed time. Hallelujah. God can do anything. He can do anything. My eyes are fixed on him today. Now, would you do this this morning? Let's just worship the Lord today. Let's just seal it. Let's worship God today. Let's turn our eyes to him. Put our focus on him today. Take our eyes off our circumstances. Worship the Lord together this morning.